This is Archive Atlanta, episode 197, Early Surveyors and Mapmakers. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week, we're talking about Atlanta's earliest surveyors and mapmakers. There was a listener named Kaylee who requested this topic like a year ago. I think it was January of 2021. I put it on the list. I would do like little bits of research here and there over the last year. And there's one thing about doing research in a place, I think everyone has the same experience, is that you come across the name of these engineers, surveyors, you know, at the bottom of plat maps or on the plaques of bridges or in newspaper articles. So when she suggested this, I'm like, oh, this is a brilliant way to honor these people whose work is so important and yet I think very unnoticed or, you know, they don't get the accolades they deserve. The textbook definition of a surveyor is someone who creates or updates boundary lines for legal purposes. They make precise measurements to determine property boundaries, and they provide data for engineering, map making, and construction projects. And so the history of maps in general begins almost with mankind. The earliest surviving map that we have is from 700 BC. And in this era, the purpose of a map wasn't so much like where you're trying to go, but kind of orienting the viewer to their place in the world. Over the course of history, maps have been used in war, in exploration, horoscopes, city planning. They are, you know, part of our daily lives, whether you think about it or not. The state of Georgia had its first official map in 1818, created by Daniel Sturgis, and it was showing Standing Peach Tree, Buzzard's Roost, and Rock Mountain, which is today Stone Mountain. In 1839, U.S. Atlas lists Whitehall Street, um, today part of that is Peachtree Street, and then in 1847, the William Bonner map of Georgia shows Atlanta for the very first time. Edward Arista Vincent was a 22-year-old English immigrant who arrived in Savannah in 1851, where he set out to create a detailed map of that city. By 1852, he had moved to Atlanta, where he designed the Western and Atlantic Passenger Depot downtown. It was Atlanta Mayor John F. Mims who commissioned him to create a map of the city. So we're a little baby city at this point, and maps are a really important tool in city planning and city promotion. Like, you know, you can't talk about coming to visit somewhere if you don't know how to get there. In February of 1853, City Council approved the payment of $100 to Vincent for a map. The scale of it was 400 feet per inch, and he chose only to include 35 labeled structures and only one artistic element. So it was a little bit of a bare bones map. Soon after submitting this to the lithographer, he headed for Macon. Not to get into the rabbit hole of his career too much, um, he, he kind of suffered after Atlanta. The last record that we have of him here in the city is 1855, where city council approves an order for 50 copies of an improved map, but then they took back the order a week later. He died in Atlanta in 1856 from something just labeled disease. And at the estate sale, Dr. Courier, who was Atlanta's official surveyor at the time, purchased Vincent's plotting instruments. Now, the reason that Vincent's map is so historically important, aside from its being our city's first, it was also used by General Sherman to create the map of Atlanta that he used in his military plans. So after confiscating regional maps of the area, the topographical department of the Union Army traced and reprinted this 1850s map to plan for the assault and occupation of Atlanta. Henry T. McDaniel was elected Atlanta's chief engineer in 1870, and he played a large role in our early sewage system and bridges and viaducts. 
1877, by order of city council, he compiled and drew a new map of Atlanta, which at this point was about three miles in diameter. There's little information out there about this map other than one copy that's in the archives. McDaniel later served as assistant chief engineer in the 1880s, and then he died in 1900. Um, He had moved to the Midwest for like a planning job out there. In 1878, which was about a year after he made his map, the Southern and Southwestern Surveying and Publishing Company put out an atlas of Atlanta, and the atlas showed um, streets, wards, major buildings, churches, and they actually included, kind of folded inside, was the E.A. Vincent map that I talked about just earlier. By 1884, anything that had been created previously was grossly out of date. The city engineer at this time was Hugh Angier, and he appropriated $2,000 for three new maps of Atlanta. He goes on on a long diatribe, it's in the papers, about how the city will lose thousands of dollars without an updated map. And, you know, we've undergone so many changes, a stranger wouldn't be able to recognize it if he was holding an old map in his hands. But the map wasn't his only concern, so he also speaks about the streets of Atlanta being all varying widths, how, you know, it could basically like the same street from one point to another was not equally spaced out, um, how that could bring lawsuits in the future. And so his his kind of stance is that we need to accurately map and measure the city, do right-of-ways, do streets, do lot lines. Um, but for my research, I don't think that this map or this idea for this map was ever created. In 1891, a new map was worked on by H.G. Saunders, and this is the, or possibly the precursor, to the very well-known 1892 bird's-eye aerial of Atlanta that yours truly has hanging in her living room. Thousands of panoramic or bird's-eye view maps of American cities and towns were created between the 1840s and the 1920s. And the fascinating part that I learned is that only six artists produced a majority of them. There were only 28 maps that were done in the South, so Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina combined. Um, Generally, this is because the South was financially unable to support this endeavor um, during the war, during Reconstruction. Mad Atlanta had one completed in 1871 by Albert Ruger, I think it is, Um, but the plates were lost in the Chicago fire, so he was from Chicago and those were lost. So back to 1891, Saunders was the secretary of the Chamber of Commerce in Atlanta. He hoped to cover the city from the exposition grounds to Clark College to Inman Park to the West End. Those were considered like the far reaches. He spent three to four years compiling the data and the information, and he used a scale of 400 feet to one inch, so similar to that first map. Bird's eye aerials require work of a lot of people. And so what I think is that the Saunders 1891 map, at the bottom of the map, you'll see both H.G. Saunders' name on it, as well as W.L. Klein. And it was drawn by Augustus Koch, or Koch. So that's, and actually that guy is one of the six artists that I just referenced earlier. Now, Saunders also went on to publish city directories, and then he worked on updating older maps as the years passed. So now we get to the Kaufmans, uh, my favorite city engineers. I say this because O.F. Kaufman's name seems to be at the bottom of every single plat map that I have researched or done prolific work on in Atlanta. Um, And he also has a very dramatic life story. Orrin Frederick Kaufman had moved from New York City to Atlanta in 1898. And on the 1900 census, he's listed as a boarder on Cortland Street. 
His World War I draft card lists his occupation as chief engineer, and by 1905, he had commissioned and completed the latest city map of Atlanta. It was printed on glazed linen cloth, and copies were sold from the Fourth National Bank. Just three years later, he surveyed the large swaths of land owned by Clark College, which is today near Capitol View, and he created an updated city map with the new Ninth Ward. By 1909, he formed a partnership with his brother, who was named Ira Ulysses Kaufman. So Oren and his brother, um, they formed a company of O.F. Kaufman and Brother, operated out of the Candler Building, and they offered civil engineering services and just, you know, generally anything kind of engineering. Ira had moved to Atlanta in 1905, and the brothers worked on the city maps of Atlanta in 1905, 1906, 1909, and 1910. The 1910 map of Atlanta was called the most, quote, accurate and complete piece of work an engineering concern has ever turned out, end quote. And in that same year, they published the first map of Greater Atlanta, which was essentially a drawing of Fulton County. They were the engineers in charge of Druid Hills, the Atlanta Automobile Speedway, uh, Garden Hills, the bridge at Piedmont Park when you come off of Orm Circle, and this is just to name a few. In 1913, Ira Kaufman even testified in the Mary Fagan-Leo Frank case regarding whether Fagan's body would have fit through the chute at the pencil factory, and he was also commissioned to make plats of the Frank House, the Selig House, and the pencil factory. Oren's son Charles graduated from Tech High in 1925, and he went on to school in Cornell. He returns to Atlanta to work at the family firm um, as a sound engineer. So back to Oren, his wife Gertrude and him were having some marital issues, and one day before the deadline that he has to file his answer to a divorce petition, Kaufman drank a vial of poison and was found dead in his 17th floor Candler building office by the building electrician. He was only 53 or 54, I think. Uh, The divorce had really wreaked havoc on him. Six months prior, he had checked into a sanatorium, so he had kind of just gotten out of there. Um, He left two notes, one to his family and one to his lawyer, and he was survived by his widow and his two sons. So after his death, his brother Ira goes on to form a partnership with his son, and so they name it I.U. Kaufman and Son, and he eventually takes on a role as the chief engineer of the Georgia Division of the U.S. Coastal Geodetic Survey. Uh, Ira dies in 1937 at the age of 55. In 1946, William Kaufman, so Ira's son, returns from World War II, and he opens Kaufman and Harmon, who were civil engineers and surveyors, um, over near Decatur, so on Avondale Road. I cannot end this episode with talking about Olin Freeman, who is another name you will come across um, if you do Atlanta neighborhood research, uh, but only if you're looking at really planning records. Olin was born in 1893 in Columbus, Georgia, and by his 20s, he was living in Atlanta. He married Laura Booth in 1917. Uh, They lost a child in 1920, and they had a son in 1924. The Freemans built a grand home along Peachtree Battle Avenue, and so Olin was really involved in the plan and the drawings for the Peachtree Creek Memorial Park, um, which is probably its own episode one day because it's a whole idea they had over there. That work would kind of turn into the Bobby Jones Golf Club that we have today. Olin also laid out the plot for Capitol View Manor, which he said was influenced by Frederick Law Olmsted. 
1934, his firm of Freeman and Roberts was contracted to do the survey for the new Techwood Homes housing development, um, which I have an episode about. And then the firm was also named project manager for University Homes, which was the Black Atlanta housing project also built in the same years. He died in 1960. So there you have it, a short story of Atlanta's early surveyors and map makers. Um, keep in mind, there will be no episode next week. It's going to be Thanksgiving, I'm trying to take some time off, enjoy my family, but we will be back on December 2nd. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, there's a Patreon link in the show notes if you'd like to support. Hope everyone has a great weekend and a great holiday, and I'll talk to you in December.